coming up on episode 113 of Appetite for Distortion. Dave Mustaine of Megadeth will be talking about the 35th anniversary. Jimi Hendrix, Guns N' Roses. Stick around. Welcome to the podcast. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 113. It is Brando, and I think out of all, not just 113 episodes of this podcast, but I think of my career, I I mean, I got to be honest, I'm kind of nervous. In a couple minutes, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth is calling up. And, I mean, why am I telling you I'm nervous? You know, I can pretend to be Mr. Cool Rock and Roll Radio DJ, but, you know, to tie everything in with, with Guns N' Roses, which is what we do here... I enjoyed hearing that Slash still gets anxiety before a show, still gets nervous, still kind of practices and and keeps to himself. I believe that's what his son London said uh, to us when we interviewed him, gave him him his first interview ever. Another awesome opportunity uh, that we've had here on on the show. But I I don't know. I, I just feel... From what we know and don't know of Dave, he's such a smart and well spoken guy. He's no BS. Uh, well, we'll see how I do. We're going to be talking about him taking part of the Experience Hendrix Tour. I also want to talk to him about the 35th anniversary of Megadeth. As old as me, I've been listening to Megadeth my, literally since I was born. I mean, pretty much, right? And, of course, we'll ask some GNR-related questions. So, I believe he's calling up now. All right. Don't be nervous. I'm Mr. Cool Guy, right? <clears throat> hey Dave, uh, what an honor it is to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing well because I'm I'm talking to somebody who uh, I respect very much and look up to, and I'm wondering if that's the feeling you get you you got when you were asked to participate in this experience Hendrix tour. Uh, was Jimmy? Am I wrong in assuming? that Jimmy was a big influence on you? Uh, because this is a big deal. It's not just playing Jimmy's music live, but there's a lot of great guitars such as yourself also contributing, like like Zach Wilde. Well, this thing came about really in a unique way. I, I didn't know anything about it, and, and um, my management had asked me, and I said, I don't, I don't know any Hendrix. I, I honestly don't. And... I, I had never learned any Hendrix growing up. I remember one time um, I was playing music with two guys before my band Panic, the band before Metallica had formed, and we played Fire like two times. So, and I once I had to learn the song, I realized how awful I was playing it. <laughs> but I've never I've never learned this stuff. And and the crazy thing was two records ago on Super Collider we've got this song called Don't Turn Your Back on on a friend, which was a double entendre, meaning 
don't turn your back on a friend when they need help, but also don't turn your back because this friend may stab you kind of a thing. And the beginning of the song, I wanted it to be kind of real kind of sad. And we started, I had Chris Broderick, who is a really great player, um, do this little blues part, kind of like, a, I, I guess it's kind of like the song Little Wing that Jimmy has. And then... Um, he does it again at the very end of the song when the song climaxes, but that's about it. I've never, never learned, never known. And, and going back and learning this stuff now, uh, it's, it's been so rewarding. I don't know if it's going to influence a new record or not, but boy, it's been great fun. See, that's just fascinating because, you know, it's hard to argue that amongst the community of, you know, guitarists that Jimmy has looked to as a God, but a lot of people may say the same thing about you, a guitar god, a heavy metal god. Is that something at this point in your career, maybe something you embrace? How do you look upon people talking about you in that way? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't fancy being called a god. I, I, that makes me uncomfortable because I'm just a guy. I'm, you know, I, I'm just a guy. But I, I love my job, and you know, I, I take pride at, at being good at it. But I also know that there's guys that are so much better than me. You know, when you think about just the one guy you mentioned, you, you skipped so many. Um, of course, you probably don't know all the guys that are or have been out on this thing, but Zach, for example, Zach's an amazing guitar player. But then who else is there? Eric Johnson, one of my personal favorites. Uh, Joe Satriani, one of the best in the world. And Dweezil Zappa, who is probably, to me, the biggest surprise. Great guitar player and a, and a sweetheart of a guy. He's been helping me with my sound. And I went to the show the other day, and, and Dweezil's working on my amp, and Eric Johnson is playing my guitar. And I'm thinking, man, I died and went to heaven. Look at this. That's funny. And, and that's just surreal that someone like you, who's been doing this for, for 35 years, can still be wowed. Um, I want to talk about the anniversary of Megadeth, but I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't uh, talk about Slash as we're on the subject of guitarists. Now, I know you're, you're good friends with Slash. Is it true that he once tried out for, for Megadeth because of the friendship and you know idolizing his work? Idolize him? Is that what you said? That I idolize Slash? Well, not idolize, that you're friends with and admire his work. Uh, yes, we're, we're uh, most definitely friends. Most definitely friends. I just want to make sure I heard you right. That you kind of dropped out there for a second. Uh, and and I think I heard you ask me if he was supposed to be in Megadeth. Yes. Uh, some fans sent in some questions for you, and one of them was, "Did Slash ever try out for Megadeth?" Didn't he? Didn't, he didn't try out. Um, but um, he had an invitation, and, and he and David Ellison had played together several times. So um, that was that was uh, fun, and he liked playing with Dave, and he liked the idea of playing with me, and I thought it was a great idea too. Um, that's probably where we became such great friends. Although we don't see each other a lot, um, you know, we uh, um, whenever we see each other, it's hey, what's up, man. You know, and there's a, a, I think, a deep, deep, deep mutual respect for each other. I think that might be what you mean. Oh, for sure. I, I'm just stuck on that word today for some reason. It's still early for me. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. 
And also, forgive me for keeping on the subject of Slash, but a couple fans also wanted to know, do you remember jumping on stage at the MTV uh, Ritz show? I know we've done stuff um, before with those guys. Um, there was one time in L.A. that I remember, but uh, the one you're talking about, you're talking about in New York at the Ritz, right? Correct. It was during uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Um, Axel was just kind of grabbing the mic, and you went up behind him. Security looked like they, uh, they ushered you out. Uh, the video is out there. Do you remember that at all? No, I don't. I don't remember it. All right. Fair enough. I know we don't have much time left, so I want to know what you're doing to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Megadeth, specifically the graphic novel. Can you tell us about that? Because that's that's a pretty cool way to celebrate. Thanks. Uh, well, we had uh, the guys from Heavy Metal had approached my management uh, to accompany the Warheads on Foreheads um, anthology package, and, and um, it just seemed like the right thing to do. The people at Heavy Metal are the best, and, and the artists that they've got to do this package are, are the cream of the crop. There's literally no better artists out there. We've got artists from around the world that worked on this package, and when I saw it, it was still being colored. Parts of it were colored. The rest was in black and white still, and uh, I, I, I don't really know how to explain the feeling I felt. I, I had so much joy. I felt like like laughing and crying at the same time, if you know what I mean. I don't know if there's even an emotion that describes that feeling, but I was exhilarated. It felt like what I felt when I when I was bungee jumping or skydiving, just that feeling of just, just pure, full, unadulterated thrill. Well, that's kind of how I felt doing this interview with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, buddy. Dave Mustaine, this truly was an honor for me and my listeners. Uh, I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, anytime. <sighs> Can I breathe now? <laughs> I think I did okay. I mean, what a cool guy. I mean, as I've, I've told you on other episodes, you know, why I do the condensed interview versus the long form you know, so again, just thank you to my, my coworkers and my bosses here at iHeartRadio and Premier Radio Networks for letting me hop on these morning press tours. And it's, you know, you got to be quick. Uh, you know, like how he didn't remember about going and jumping on stage. That's not the first time an awkward like, hey, you remember when you did something that's documented? Oh, uh, what are you talking about? Making me feel like a goose. Yes, I just called myself a goose. Uh, when I interviewed Nikki Six back in the day, I, I remember asking him, this was, if you heard the last episode, this was around when 6 a.m. first came out, and I wanted to talk to him about the book, The Dirt, and I was like, I don't know why I decided to ask him this, but I wanted to find out about when, well, there's no other way to say this, when him and Tommy Lee would stick their dick in a burrito because they didn't want it to smell like another girl other than their girlfriend, which I do not condone, by the way. And Nikki had no idea what I was talking about, so here I am asking about his dick, and he had no idea what I was talking about. Not as awkward with Damien Stain, but uh, I will say before I get out of here, and, I, and this is going to be a short episode because I just want to give this interview to you. I just want to get this out and quick, and I appreciate those of you who enjoy the, the fan interviews I've been doing after a short interview. I'm going to definitely do more of those. I want to interview more of you. 
but I, I want to mention that the full video of seeing Dave Mustaine up on, on in the Ritz has been taken down by the same copyright culprits. And I, I actually ventured into the GNR Reddit, and it's it's not just me saying it; it's other people. So, one of these days, Alice. One of these days. Anyway, I'm going to conclude this episode, but I want to tell you about a couple of guests that I just booked. Uh, first up, uh, we'll see when they come out, the episodes, because as you know, podcasts, I usually don't turn them around as quick as I'm turning this episode around. Uh, but Danny Goldberg, no, not a relative of mine. He used to be one of the managers of Nirvana. He's coming out with a new book, Serving the Servant. Remembering Kurt Cobain, so that should be an interesting conversation. And another one, man, he has been on my bucket list interview, Jim Brewer. Yes, comedian Jim Brewer, who has said some things about Axel DC in the past. We'll see. I mean, I I love the guy. Long Island guy. I think he's one of the best comedic storytellers going on today. But those are future episodes. Please follow us on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, of course, AlternativeNation.net, and of course, Facebook.com slash The AFD Show, or on Twitter at The AFD Show. So when are you going to see the next episode of Appetite for Distortion? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, soon is the word. security, I'm going home.